If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sil with a money-back guarantee. It's all-natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sil, like silicon. Go to sierrasil.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift. We have for you this evening a tale from the prolific and much-loved Hans Christian Andersen, made possible by Envy Pillow, created by two amazing Canadian RNs who've partnered here with me. I've rested my weary head on an Envy Pillow for about 20 years now. It started because of stress-related neck pain, and I've been in love ever since. Learn more in the morning at Envy, E-N-V-Y, pillow.com. This story, first published in Copenhagen in 1843, is, like the ugly duckling, believed to have been inspired by the author's own life. In this case, his unrequited love for opera singer Jenny Lind, who was known as the Swedish Nightingale. If you've ever heard of this story, there's good reason, because the Emperor's Magic Nightingale has been adapted to opera ballet, musical play, television drama, and animated film. It's a reminder that nature offers more beauty and variety than anything we mere humans can come up with. But before we set out into the journey to China for this story, gently edited here for Drift, let's first get comfortable. Really cozy where you are now, wherever that may be. Feel that mattress or chair or pillow as you sink into it. Now take one deep breath in and then hold it for a moment. And exhale even more slowly. Let's do it again. This time making sure that your shoulders are relaxed and you're lying comfortably covered nice and cozy or uncovered if that works for you, whatever you want. Let's take a big inhale and hold it and exhale. Great. Now if you're able, I want you to scrunch your toes. Now relax them. Tense up your calf muscles. And let them go. Now your thighs tighten and relax. Let's move up to your backside, clenching and then releasing. I'm doing it too. Do you feel the difference? You should start noticing how heavy your legs feel. Now let's do that with your abs. Clench that tummy. Release your pecs, your chest. Release. And up to your shoulders, bringing them up to your ears. And then letting them release down, way down. Clench your fists. Then slowly relax and open your hands. Make your arms rigid 
then let them go. Now your neck. Ooh, do you feel little crackles like I do when you tense your neck? It holds so much during the day. So just let it go. Release. And maybe you just let out a sigh. (laughs) Now to your face. Relax your brow. Your eyelids closing heavily. And your mouth. Just put the tiniest smile on for a minute. Thank yourself for sharing this time just for you, as I thank you too. With one more big inhale and exhale. You are heavy in your bed, completely relaxed and loose. And if you're ready, we shall drift. The Emperor's Palace was the most magnificent building of its kind in the world. It was made entirely of fine porcelain. As you can imagine, not only was it extremely beautiful, but it was so fragile that no one dared to even touch it. The most precious of all flowers filled the Emperor's garden, and to the most splendid of all these, Little bells were fastened in order that their tinkling might prevent anyone from passing by without noticing them. Yes, everything in the emperor's garden was perfectly arranged, and the garden extended so far that even the gardener did not know the end of it. Whoever walked beyond it, however, came to a beautiful wood with very high trees, and beyond that, to the sea. The wood went down to the sea, which was very deep and blue. Large ships could sail close under the branches, and among the branches dwelt a nightingale, who sang so sweetly that even the poor fisherman, who had so much else to do when he came out at night time to cast his nets, would stand still and listen to her song. Oh, how pretty that is, the fishers would say night in and night out. Travelers came from all parts of the world to the emperor's city, and they admired the city, the palace, and the garden. But if they heard the nightingale, they all said, This is the best of all of it, and they talked about the bird and her song after they went home. Educated men wrote books about the city, the palace, and the garden. They could not forget the nightingale either. She was praised above everything else, and poets wrote the most beautiful verses about the nightingale of the wood near the sea. These books went round the world, and one of them at last came back home to the emperor. He was sitting in his golden armchair. He read and read and nodded his head every moment. For these splendid descriptions of the city, the palace, and the garden pleased him greatly. But the nightingale is the best of all, was written in the book. What in the world is this? said the emperor. The nightingale? I do not know it at all. Can there be such a bird in my empire, in my garden even, without my having even heard of it? 
the things you learn from books. So curious was the emperor that he called his cavalier. What is a cavalier, you ask? Well, you might call him gentleman in waiting. So important a person that no one of inferior rank might speak to him. And if one did venture to ask him a question, his only answer was pish, which had no particular meaning. There is said to be a very remarkable bird here, called the nightingale, said the emperor. Her song, they say, is worth more than anything else in all my dominions. Why has no one ever told me of her? I have never before heard her mentioned, said the cavalier. She has never been presented at court. I wish her to come and sing before me this evening, said the emperor. The whole world knows what I have, and I do not know it myself. I have never before heard her mentioned, said the cavalier, but I will seek her. I will find her. But where was she to be found? The cavalier ran up one flight of steps, down another, through halls, and through passages, but he could find no one who had ever heard of the nightingale. Embarrassed, the cavalier returned to the emperor and humbly said, It must certainly be an invention of the man who wrote the book. One cannot believe everything he reads. But the book in which I have read it, said the emperor, was sent to me by the high and mighty emperor of Japan, and therefore it must be true. I wish to hear the nightingale. She must be here this evening, and if she does not come, the whole court shall be punished. Yes, your imperial majesty, said the cavalier. And again he ran upstairs, through halls and through passages, and half the court ran with him, for no one would have relished physical punishment. But for all of the questions about the storied nightingale, no one at court knew anything. At last they met a poor little girl in the kitchen who said, Oh, yes, the nightingale. I know her very well. Oh, how she can sing. Every evening I carry the scraps left at the table to my poor sick mother. She lives by the seashore. And when I am coming back and stay to rest a short time in the wood, I hear the nightingale sing. It makes me cry, for it's just as if my mother kissed me. Little kitchen maiden, said the cavalier. I will promote you to a higher appointment in the kitchen, together with permission to see His Majesty the Emperor dine, if you will lead us to the nightingale, for she is expected at court this evening. So off they went together to the wood, where the nightingale was usually heard singing, and half the court went with them. While they were on their way, a cow began to low. Oh! said the court pages. Now we have her. It is certainly an extraordinary voice for so small an animal, and it does sound so familiar. No, those are cows you hear lowing, said the small kitchen maid. We are still far from the place. The frogs were now croaking in the pond. That is it, said the chief court preacher. Now I hear her. It sounds just like little church bells. 
No, those are frogs, said the kitchen maid. But now I think we shall soon hear her. Then the nightingale began to sing. There she is, said the little girl. Listen, there she sits. And she pointed to a small gray bird up in the branches. Is it possible? said the cavalier. I should not have thought it. How simple she looks. Little nightingale, called out the kitchen maid. Our gracious emperor wishes you to sing something to him. With the greatest pleasure, said the nightingale, and she sang in such a manner that it was delightful to hear her. It sounds like glass bells, said the cavalier. And look at her little throat, how it moves, how unusual that we have never heard her before. But she will become famous now at court. Most excellent nightingale, said the cavalier. I have the honor to invite you to a court festival, which is to take place this evening, when His Imperial Majesty will be enchanted with your delightful song. My song would sound far better among the green trees, said the nightingale. However, she followed willingly when she heard that the emperor wished it. There was a regular trimming and polishing at the palace. The walls and the floors, which were all of porcelain, glittered with a thousand gold lamps. The loveliest flowers, with the merriest tinkling bells, were placed in the passages, and everyone was running about, which made all of the bells ring, so that one could not hear himself think. In the midst of the grand hall, where the emperor sat, a golden perch was erected, on which the nightingale was to sit. The whole court had gathered, and the little kitchen maid received permission to stand behind the door, for now she had been awarded the rank and title of maid of the kitchen. Everyone was attired in their finest clothes, and all eyes were upon the little gray bird to whom the emperor nodded as a signal for her to begin. And sing she did. Right on cue. The nightingale trilled so sweetly that tears came into the emperor's eyes and rolled down his cheeks, and the nightingale sang more sweetly still and touched the hearts of all who hurt her. And then the emperor was so merry that he said the nightingale should have his golden slippers and wear them around her neck. But the nightingale thanked him and said she was already sufficiently rewarded. She said, I have seen tears in the emperor's eyes. That is the greatest reward I can have. The tears of an emperor have a particular value. Heaven knows I am sufficiently rewarded. And then she sang again with her sweet, lovely voice. The ladies present, wishing to emulate the beautiful sound that so charmed the emperor, put water into their mouths and tried to move their throats as she did when they spoke, hoping to become nightingales themselves. Indeed, even the footmen and chambermaids declared 
that they were quite contented, which was a great thing to say, for of all people, they are the most difficult to satisfy. Yes, indeed, the nightingale's success was complete. She was now to remain at court to have her own cage, with permission to fly out twice in the day and once in the night. But there was no pleasure in these outings, as twelve attendants were assigned to her, and their job was to hold tightly a silken band fastened around her foot, so that she could not fly away. All the city was talking of the wonderful bird, so much so that her name became a code for speaking of beauty and wonder. One would only say, Night, and the other, Gale, and then they sighed and understood each other perfectly. Indeed, eleven of the children of the citizens were named after the nightingale. But alas, none of them had her tones in their throats. One day, a large parcel arrived for the emperor, on which was written Nightingale. Expecting another book about the kingdom's famed bird, the emperor was surprised to open the package and instead find a little piece of mechanism lying in a box. Why, it was an artificial nightingale, which was intended to look like the living one, but was covered all over with diamonds, rubies, and sapphires. When this artificial bird had been wound up, it could sing one of the tunes that the real nightingale sang, and its tail, all glittering with silver and gold, went up and down all the time. A tiny band was fastened round its neck, on which was written these words, The nightingale of the emperor of China is poor compared with the nightingale of the emperor of Japan. That is simply amazing, said everyone. Now they shall sing together, and we shall have a duet. And so they attempted to have the two sing together, but it did not work out as planned, for the real nightingale sang in her own way, and the artificial bird produced its tones by wheels. It is not his fault, said the artist who had brought the musical bird. He keeps exact time and quite according to plan. So the artificial bird must now sing alone and be garnered quite a lot of fame, for he was so much prettier to look at than the real nightingale, who was a modest gray, and the mechanical bird's plumage sparkled like jewels. Thirty-three times he sang the same tune, over and over, and yet he showed no signs of becoming tired nor did his rapt audience, who would willingly have heard him again and again. But now the emperor wished the real nightingale should sing something. But where was she? No one had even noticed that she had flown out of the open window, flown away to her own green wood. What is the meaning of this? said the emperor and all of the courtiers insulted the nightingale and called her a most ungrateful creature. 
We have the best bird at all events, they said. And for the thirty-fourth time, they heard the same tune. But still, they did not quite know the song, because it was so difficult. The artist praised the bird inordinately. Indeed, he declared it was superior to the real nightingale, not only in its exterior, all sparkling with jewels, but also in its abilities as well. For see, my noble lords, his imperial majesty especially, with the real nightingale, one could never know what was coming. But everything is settled with the artificial bird. He will sing in this one way and no other. This can be proved. He can be taken apart into pieces, and the works inside can be shown. Where the wheels lie, how they move, and how one follows from another. Well, everyone agreed that the artist was absolutely right. And he received permission to show the bird to the people on the following Sunday. They too should hear him sing, the emperor said. So they heard him and were delighted. They all said, Oh! and raised their forefingers and nodded their heads. But the fisherman, who had heard the real nightingale, said, Hmm, it sounds very pretty, almost like the real bird, but yet there's something wanting. I don't know what that is. The real nightingale was, by the way, banished from the empire. The artificial bird had his place on a silken cushion, close to the emperor's bed, on his left side. For the emperor thought, that the side where the heart was situated must be the most honorable. And the heart is on the left side of an emperor, as well with the rest of us folks. This went on for a year. The emperor, the court, and all the Chinese knew every note of the artificial bird song by heart. But that was the very reason they enjoyed it so much. They could now sing with him. The little boys in the street sang, Zee, 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 cluck, cluck, cluck. And the emperor himself sang, too. Yes, indeed, that was charming. But one evening, when the bird was in full voice, and the emperor lay in bed and listened, there was suddenly a noise, bang, bang, inside the bird. Then something sprang, all the wheels were running about, and the music stopped. The emperor jumped quickly out of bed and had his chief physician called. But what use was he? Then a clockmaker was fetched, and at last, after a great deal of discussion and consultation, the bird was partially repaired. But the clockmaker said he must be spared much singing for the pegs were almost worn out, and it was impossible to renew them, to have him back singing as he had before. Ah, a great sadness swept the palace and the community, for now the artificial bird was allowed to sing only twice a year, and even then there were difficulties. When five years were passed away, 
a great sadness fell upon the whole empire, for in their hearts the people worshipped their emperor. And now he was ill, and it was reported that he was close to death. A new emperor had already been chosen, and the people stood in the street outside the palace and asked the cavalier, How is the emperor? Pish, said he, and shook his head. Cold and pale lay the emperor in his magnificent bed. All the court believed him to be already dead, and everyone had hurried away to greet the new emperor. The floors of all the rooms and passages were covered with cloth so that not a step should be heard. It was everywhere so very still and quiet. But the emperor was not yet dead. Stiff and pale he lay in his splendid bed with the long velvet curtains and heavy gold tassels. A window was opened above and the moon shone down on the emperor and the artificial bird. The poor emperor could scarcely breathe. It seemed to him as though something was sitting on his chest. He opened his eyes and saw that it was death who had put on the emperor's crown and with one hand held the golden scepter, with the other the splendid imperial banner. And then it seemed that from the folds of the thick velvet hangings, the strangest-looking heads were seen peering forth, some with an absolutely hideous expression, and others with a very gentle and loving air. These were the bad and good deeds of the emperor, which were now all fixing their eyes upon him while death sat on his heart. Do you know this? They whispered one after another. Do you remember that? And they began badgering and blaming him in such a manner that sweat broke out on his forehead. I have never known anything like it, said the emperor. Music, music, someone play the great Chinese drum, he cried. Do not let me hear what they are saying. They went on, however, and death nodded his head to every word. Music, music, cried the emperor. You dear little artificial bird, sing, I beg you, sing. I have given you gold and precious stones. I have even hung my golden slippers around your neck. Sing. For my sake, please sing. But the bird was silent. There was no one there to wind him up, and even if he worked, he could not sing without this. Death continued to stare at the emperor with his great, hollow eyes. And everywhere it was still, so very still. All at once, the sweetest song was heard from the window. It was the little living nightingale who was sitting on a branch outside. She had heard of her emperor's severe illness and had come to sing to him of comfort and hope. As she sang, the ghosts became paler and paler 
The blood flowed more and more quickly through the emperor's feeble limbs. And even death listened and said, Go on, little nightingale, go on. Will you give me the splendid gold scepter? she asked. Will you give me the joyous banner and the emperor's crown? And do you know, death gave up all these treasures for a song. So the nightingale sang on. She sang of the quiet churchyard where white roses bloom, where the lilac sends forth its fragrance and the fresh grass is wet with the tears of the sorrowing friends of the departed. Then death was seized with a longing for his garden, and like a cold white shadow flew out of the window. Thank you, thank you, said the emperor. You heavenly little bird, I know you well. I have banished you from my realm, and you have sung away those evil faces from my bed and death from my heart. How shall I reward you, dear, sweet bird? Oh, you have already rewarded me, said the nightingale. I have seen tears in your eyes as when I first sang to you. Those I shall never forget. They are jewels which do so much good to a minstrel's heart. But sleep now and wake fresh and healthy. I will sing you to sleep. And she sang. And the emperor fell into a sweet sleep. Oh, how soft and kind was that sleep. The sun was shining in his window when he awoke feeling strong and healthy. There was not a servant to be found, for they all believed he had died. But the nightingale still sat and sang. You will always stay with me, but you will sing only when you want to sing. As for that artificial bird, I will break it into a thousand pieces. Oh, please don't do that, said the nightingale. Truly he has done what he could, so take care of him. I cannot stay in the palace, but let me come when I like. I will sit on the branches close to the window in the evening and sing to you so that you may become happy and thoughtful. I will sing to you of the joyful and the sorrowing. I will sing to you of all that is good or bad which is kept from you. I shall fly afar to the fisherman's hut, to the peasant's cottage, to all who are far distant from you and your court. I love your heart more than your crown, and yet the crown has an aura of something holy about it. I will come, I will sing, but you must promise me one thing. Everything, said the emperor, and now he stood in his imperial splendor, which he had put on himself, and held the scepter so heavy with gold to his heart. One thing I beg of you, let no one know that you have a bird who tells you everything, then it will all carry on nicely and the nightingale flew away. The attendants came in to look at their dead emperor. 
Lo, there they stood. And the emperor said, Good morning. As his new day begins, so ours ends. And with wishes for a nightingale to visit your slumber, or even sing outside your window, or perhaps a different bird will awaken you with the sun, or whenever you're ready. I will wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>